Welcome to the Sermon Amp Podcast. I'm Joseph Wheat, pastor and host, and today we're going to be looking at the last of the seven woes of Jesus in Matthew 23. But stick around till the second segment of the podcast, and you'll hear an interview with my dear friend and partner in ministry, Thomas Gandy. But first, let's go back for the Sermon Amp, or amplification, of Matthew 23, verses 29 through 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets, and you decorate the monuments of the righteous, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets." Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. That's the last of the seven woes. That's Matthew 23, verses 29 through 36. What are you mad about? The Pharisees were angry enough to kill. And this woe of Jesus is about anger and murder and forgiveness for murderers. He starts by telling them, you come from a long line of murderers. Yes, you have built beautiful monuments to the prophets and other righteous people. And um, it was your fathers who killed these very prophets Hebrews 11 is a detailed account of what that actually looked like, and the word sawn in, they were sawn in two, kind of sticks out uh, in verse 37 of Hebrews 11. So why was that? Why were they so angry that they murdered the prophets? It's because they were doing basically their own thing and didn't want to hear from God. Ouch. You know, Jeremiah wasn't called the weeping prophet for nothing. Jeremiah 27, 7, so you shall speak all these words of mine to them, but they will not listen to you. You will call to them, but they will not answer you. You know, when people are trying to control things, they don't listen very well. The prophets were killed to be completely vindicated later by events on the ground. And Jesus is saying, oh, you don't realize just how much like your fathers you are. You are just like them. You come from a long line of murderers. And he says, you are murderers. Fill up then, verse 32, fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape from being sentenced to hell? Fill up then isn't just like filling up a jug. It means to fulfill, to complete. Jesus is saying, go ahead, finish the job, because they were already plotting to kill the greatest prophet, priest, and king of them all, the Messiah, Jesus. 
because Jesus came into their controlled environment of all their rules and regulations to enter the kingdom of God. And he said, no, the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. Just repent and believe the good news. It wasn't about the Pharisees' rules and regulations and all that they controlled. It was simply about believing and receiving the Messiah. Jesus told his disciples just three chapters back in Matthew 20, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They hated Jesus enough to try and kill him. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. So they come from a long line of murderers. They are murderers now. And then Jesus says, you will murder. He tells them the future. Basically saying in verse 34, I'm going to send prophets, wise men, scribes to you. Some you will kill. Some you will crucify. Remember, Peter was crucified upside down, uh, asked to be, so he wouldn't felt like he wasn't uh, worthy enough to be crucified like his Lord. Some, Jesus says in verse 34 of Matthew 23, you will flog in the synagogues, and then others you will persecute from town to town, and the blood of these people will be upon you. Jesus is predicting the persecution of his church and the martyrs that will be made by these same people who will kill him, and who will kill his disciples and apostles. And it happened just like that. Jesus is giving a preview of the book of Acts before the book of Acts was ever written. You know, it's still anger that leads to murder. Woe to them, he says. You are from a long line of murderers. You are murderers. You will murder. But woe to us. Woe to us as well. We would be just like that without God's grace. And y'all, even with God's grace, we are so often still so angry. What are you angry about? What are the parts of, of points of emotional murder in your life? We had some missionary friends that had come back in the uh, early late 80s and early 90s from Spain. They'd been over there for like 20-something years, and they wanted to mentor some young couples. Gina and I signed up. And they said, you know, when we came back to America, a lot of things had changed. But one of the things we noticed was an underlying sense of rage, anger, the prosperity, the ability to do more things set people up also for a sense of entitlement, a sense of control, a sense of anger that everything wasn't going their way. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21, you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother murders and will be liable to the judgment. 1 John 3.15 says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that murderers will not inherit eternal life and they don't have life abiding in them. You know, we still want to control our lives rather than living by faith, just like the people that killed the prophets. We still want what we want and resent those that threaten our control. And there's the smoldering anger, and it's still murderous in our hearts. But you know, here's the good news. The good news is, is that Jesus 
was murdered for murderers like us. So murderers like us could live and become lovers and lights in the world. Welcome to the second segment of the podcast. I am sitting across from in my office from one of my dear friends and partners in ministry, Thomas Gandy. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Joseph. Yeah, and I'm so glad. I've been anticipating this interview uh, just for people to know you better, who know you, and for folks that may not know who you are yet. Um, and I'm happy if you're listening to this and you'd like to meet anybody that we interview, just come up to me and say, I want to meet that Gandhi fellow, and I'll <laughs> introduce you to him. But Thomas, I want to start. We're going to get to the starting of Highlands and, and all the fun we've been having in ministry later, but I want to start with your family, and I want to go back to this little place called, and it means little, Picayune, Mississippi, where where you grew up. Take us back to Picayune and tell us about your childhood. Sure. So my father uh, worked for a, uh, a aerospace contractor uh, that was involved with the Apollo project, and he was down at uh, the Cape, Cape Kennedy, and uh, he, uh, he had an opportunity to come over to Stennis Space Center to help um, uh, set the propulsion testing up for the Apollo for the main engines of the Saturn V. That's amazing. So he he picked up everybody from Florida and moved them uh, moved them up here to Picayune, and uh, I guess it was about sixty four, sixty five, and uh, was you know helped uh, help get that whole testing for uh, the National Space Technology Laboratories, or NSTL at the time, yeah. uh, back in the 60s. So. You know, um, just to, to say, a lot of people do not realize how important Sp- Stennis Space Center has been for man landing on the moon. I mean, right here in Mississippi, what an integral part, and your dad being one of the people doing rocket propulsion that's, for that's the Apollo right. yeah. program. That's been kind of an Mississippi's kind of been important. That, there. That's right. They they used to say that you know no man landed on the moon uh, who wasn't who wasn't uh, whose whose jet engine rocket engine didn't go through Hancock County, Mississippi. So <laughs> that was uh, that's kind of their claim to fame down there. So. And you got a an older brother. I do. I have an older brother that's six years old. And older, a younger sister. And a younger sister that's a year and a half younger than I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So tell me right. about your mom and dad. What were they like? So mom and dad are originally from Mississippi. Both grew up in okay. Columbia, Mississippi, which is just yeah. you know south of here. And, that's where Susan um, Pettis is from. Yeah, that's right. Sure. They, in fact, they knew Susan's daddy. Cool. And uh, they uh, they grew up in Columbia. And uh, Dad was a uh, went to was in the Navy, and then went to um, uh, USM, got a degree in physics, and then went out to California to do some rocket out rocket work out there, and then ended up in Orlando, and then of course here. And Mother's a homemaker, you know, yeah. stayed home and raised me and my brother and my sister. Uh, bless yeah, her heart. She's a great mama. Bless, bless her, her heart. heart. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, when did you first understand the gospel? And tell us a little bit about your church upbringing there in Picayune. Sure. So we were we were members of First Baptist Church of Picayune, and uh, we would go uh, pretty. I was you know get through junior high school and elementary school pretty involved. Uh, as I got older, we kind of stopped going. 
mm-hmm. as frequently. We came as they used to call Christmas and Easter. You know, it was the only time we would go. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I, I knew who the Lord was, but, and, and, and my mom was, you know, pretty, you know, very strong Christian woman, and she would, you know, she would make sure we would get there enough, uh, you know, to be able to hear the gospel from time to time. But, but really didn't, you know, was not really not a consistent churchgoer at the time. Yeah. You know, that I hard for me college. to believe, right? Right. Go so you you end up going because Gandys are are very bright, by the way. You end up going to Mississippi State, and of course, you're going to be an engineer. Yeah, that's right. And isn't that kind of where the Lord really awakened you spiritually? Yeah, so I was I went to junior college for two years and then transferred up to Mississippi State, studied electrical engineering. And while I was there, after my senior year, uh, I was a fifth-year senior because I'd, I had so many classes that I had to take, and yeah. I kind of took the long, the long track. But <laughs> anyway, my last semester up there, uh, I started dating a, a, a lady, a young woman, who— um, was involved in RUF and uh, she right, drove RUF me uh, Reform University Fellowship. Right. That's the campus ministry arm of the Presbyterian Church in America. Our denomination. That's Go ahead. Right. That's right. So anyway, uh, we we went to RUF a couple of times, and she she was able to to coerce me to go to a, <laughs> a, a retreat with her, and that's where the campus minister at the time kind of shared the gospel with me. And uh, after that, the light kind of came on. And, uh, you know, ever since, you know, the rest is kind of, kind of history. So. You know, isn't it amazing? Um, in our theology, we call this the effectual calling, that God calls us to him. He opens our eyes. He brings us to, to life to be able to see and believe the gospel. Isn't that an amazing experience to suddenly get it? It and, really was. It yeah. really was. And, and the thing also is, you know, he put other people in my life alongside of me that were able to to shepherd me and mentor me through, you know, my walk. Because I was kind of on fire. I didn't know, you know, I, I really didn't know a lot about the gospel. A lot of heat without a lot of light. That's right. <laughs> so so it was a it was a great it was a great experience. And, you know, it's just, you know, as I continue to mature as a Christian and understand the gospel and understand, you know, my role and what the Lord had for me to do, it, it became you know, just obvious. You know, hey, this is this is this is awesome. This is awesome. And Christy Gandy, uh, also a very bright person. She's a nurse practitioner. That's right. Um, and has been for quite many years. Correct. Right. Right. So, so when I met Christy, she was pre vet at Mississippi State. And yeah, then, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was she was pre vet, and then she decided uh, uh, right before we got uh, engaged that she was going to go to nurse practitioner school. So um, she had a, uh, applied and been accepted to Vanderbilt and was going to do that. And then we got married, and that whole thing kind of just kind of wrecked up. all our plans. I just kind of threw the <laughs> monkey wrench into it. But anyway, ended up going back to school after she finished her undergraduate getting and got a, her nursing degree, her, her BS, yeah. RN yeah. Uh, at the time. So yeah, And then later went back. And then and later went back uh, to school and got her master's degree and now is a, is a family nurse practitioner. Yes. Yeah. I tell you, we love Christy. She is. She's a great soul. And um, so t- tell you didn't just move straight here, right? No. So after we got married, or actually I finished a year before uh, – Christy did. So I got a job with uh, the federal government working down in Slidell, Louisiana, not too far from Picayune. So I worked yeah. there for a year. And then uh, after she graduated, we got married. 
and moved um, to Lafayette, Louisiana. See, this is yeah. like a whole era of your life I yeah. don't know anything about. Yeah. And yeah. what were you doing? And over there I was doing, uh, 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 we were actually installing some of the first computers that, you know, the internet mm-hmm. was, was, was using. And we installed uh, the computer networks for that. And I also started doing a lot of radio communications in, mm-hmm. in RF or radio. For the government. Yeah, for the government. Started doing that and... And they were they were really starting to train me and do some you know I was getting involved with some national projects. I uh, was able to fly out to Denver, Colorado, and 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 work with some national programs and things out there for uh, for things that the government was doing. So it was kind of it was really cool. So how'd you get here? So I went over. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to a trade show in Las Vegas. Um, the government would send people to these industry shows to. You didn't get any trouble out there? Learn, did you? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I and I I heard these guys. I was interfacing with a lot of folks from Motorola and Sprint and all these companies, and they were they were asking me, you know, about my my background in RF. And I said, Well, I'm doing this and this, and I my undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. I I did a lot of communications specialty. So they started kind of asking questions. Are you interested and so forth? And I found out that there was a real big demand because in 1990, uh, let's see, I guess about 93, 90, yeah, 93, the, the cellular communications world was just exploding. So And, um, and radio was kind of the entree it was, into right. that world, wasn't that's it? That's right. It was, you know, just two-way radio. I had a real strong two-way radio background, and I knew RF, so they were looking for people that knew that. So I got back home from uh, the trade show, and I told Christy, I said, you know, I, I really want to get, you know, away from Lafayette. I'd like to get to Jackson or to Baton Rouge or New Orleans or somewhere closer to South Mississippi, where, yeah. which I, where I was raised. So we um, started sending out applications. And I applied to Motorola and Sprint and uh, MCI and, <laughs> and Bell South, Bell South Mobility. And uh, they they hired me here in Jackson as a communications engineer, and I guess it's ninety August of ninety five, and we've been here now. August has been twenty twenty six years. Well, so. and Thomas is very humble. I tell you, he uh, he has just been kind of working his way up the ranks with now AT and T. It used to be the Baby Bells, you That's know, right. but. Um, and, are, and I've talked to different people that work here in AT&T, AT&T, and you're very well thought of, Thomas. It's been a good good career for it you. It has been. It's a very enjoyable career. I still really like what I do. Yeah. I really okay, do. so somewhere along the line, some kids came. Would you just kind of take us through your kids and kind of what they're like? Sure. So, I love your kids, man. Yeah, so, so Jonah is my oldest, and he, um, uh, he, he came around in 97. And uh, he uh, he's currently at Mississippi State, and of course he's studying. Uh, he just finished his undergraduate in computer engineering, and he's working on his of course he did. master's degree in computer engineering. <laughs> of course now. he is. So he um, he's my most deliberate child. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very engaged with youth at Highlands and uh, loves the Lord. Yeah. And uh, is by the way, of- all of your kids not only love the Lord. But they love the church. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are lots of people who say, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't really care for his church. But, you know, the scriptures say that Jesus is the head of his body, the church. And to, to want the head without the body is, is kind of a discombobulated uh, spirituality that doesn't work really well. So I, I love the fact that your kids, they not only love Jesus and the gospel, they love his church. Right, right. I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, Christy and I saw when we came to Highlands how involved the youth were, and we wanted our kids to have that same involvement. 
Yeah. So they showed up. Okay, who was second? Yeah. Who was second? And then Elizabeth came along in 99, and uh, she, you know, she is, her nickname is Busy, and she, and and it's it's very well suited because she could not be still. Uh, She could climb a tree faster than you could say, look, she's up the top. So um, she's, she, um, she's a nurse. She just finished uh, uh, her, uh, her nursing uh, BSRN at, at Mississippi College. Uh, in May of this year, and uh, got her nursing license, and now has moved on to uh, Nashville, to Tennessee, Nashville. with we, her husband. We, we married off busy Elizabeth Gandy and Jonathan Hillerman. Jonathan uh, raised also at Highlands. Uh, the Hillermans are a great family here, and man, what an exciting intra Highlands wedding! Jonathan is a um, uh, an RUF intern at Belmont at, yes Belmont and so uh, busy is a, a nurse up there and they've just been there what two weeks two or weeks two weeks today. yeah so so excited uh, for them and proud of them yeah just it's launched been a big uh, that's right it's been a big uh, it's been a big life change for the family here to have have one fly out like that but but we're real proud of her and uh really and she like I said she and she was another one she showed up she's you know she she did a lot of stuff with the youth and built a a tremendously strong friend group uh, in youth, not only with her peers but with her youth leaders, which has yeah. been, which has been really in a, uh, had a had a huge impact on her life. Okay, and then there's the caboose, and then we got Sarah <laughs> Kate, who came around in 2003, and uh, she is my biggest planner, my biggest organizer, <laughs> and she is more focused than 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 you would ever want to know. Uh, she's industrious, she's entrepreneurial, and, uh, she just started her first semester at Mississippi State, uh, pre-med biosciences, so we'll see what happens there. Um, we all, but, Thomas and I always yeah. say that Kate, I love Kate, could, could run a small country already. She could. She is, <laughs> she is very, she is very driven. Um, so as of, uh, you know, as of, uh, Thursday last week, after 24 years, uh, the Gandy family is now officially empty nesters. You are empty nesters. That's right. You know, I will say something about Kate. You know, just like her brother and sister before her, just loves the body of Christ. And there's just this lovely row of all these girls, and they're all kind of tall, and they're all just lovely. And they sit together, and uh, maybe about four or five weeks ago, I went and said, I don't want y'all to graduate. I'm going <laughs> to just miss the loveliest row at Highlands, and they are great listeners. I mean, it's just great girls. It's, it, it, you, look, you look at that row of, of girls and say, you know, it's going to be all right after all. God really is building his church. That's right. And, 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 and Kate, like Elizabeth and like Jonah, found a group of friends at Highlands, found her peer group. Um, that and and really found tremendous impact on her life from the youth leadership at, at Highlands, from Billy and Devin and and, and you know Wilson um, before them, and I Wilson guess. before that. So it's been really it's been really neat to see that you know all three of them have that yeah. that wonderful relationship uh, yeah. with the with the youth staff. Wilson Shirley and then Devin Kahn came fourteen years ago, and then Billy Meenan came about. Uh, nine or ten years right. ago. That's right. Uh, we love them all. Um, okay, so Thomas, you and Christy were early in this church, and uh, you know, one of the things I, it took me five minutes literally to realize you were going to be a friend and a great partner in the kingdom, 
And uh, that has been exactly true. I love ministry and life with you, Thomas. Um, but wow, y'all y'all made it to Highlands. Tell us just about coming into a church plant all those years ago. Sure. So when we were in Louisiana, uh, we would have to drive probably 45 to 50 minutes to find a PCA church. So when we moved to Jackson, there were PCA churches everywhere. And we had great churches in Jackson. Yes. And I love my colleagues here too. Yes, it was great. So we were able to visit a lot of PCA churches. And um, so we ended up over at First Press in a Sunday school room. Um, We had been invited and we were, and we ran into a friend of Christie's from college from Mississippi State who, um, who, who told us, he said, you need to check out this new church if you're living in Ridgeland called Highlands. They're new. They're located out at the Home Builders Association out there. Y'all ran that Colony. building out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, so we did, and kind of the rest is history. Never left. Never left. Yeah. Never and then left. Trenton and And then the, the, the guy <laughs> that, that told us about it ended up here uh, several years later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and is actually on the diaconate with me now and uh, a great partner, a yeah. great partner in the ministry. You know, Gina and I uh, started a church in, in Alabama and in Tuscaloosa, and I remember uh, all those days where you had to bring in the plants, the chairs, the speakers, and uh, I, I called it BYOP. There was a time when I actually had a, a lectern I would put over my shoulder, bring your own pulpit. I'm telling you. So you were here during that stage yes. and all the what it took to just kind of do Every church. Every Sunday morning, the chairs would have to be put up and the speakers <laughs> and the music and everything. Like Tommy, that. there's a reason why church planning, a lot of younger people do it, right? That's right. There's a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's been neat to, to uh, watch Highlands just grow um, over the years. My dear friend, Ed Norton, was the church planter. We interviewed him on the podcast not too long ago. And, um, and then my friend, Darwin Jordan, as well. So I got to be the successor of two of my friends. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I love about Highlands, just the spirit of Highlands was already the way it is. It was already like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've told you uh, part of my vision is don't mess it up, you know. Right. But um, I've really appreciated you becoming a deacon here in our church. Uh, we don't see deacons as junior elders. We really see it from the scriptures as being two different offices that uh, where the Holy Spirit has gifted people to do those 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 roles. And you, you don't even nominate someone for a specific office here. You just nominate them for office. We help the nominees sort through and find what their gift set really is, where their passions lie. And um, I think in a lot of churches, you would have been like shuttled to the, the uh, session because you're such a great leader. But you've got this heart of the deacon. You've got this heart of service and this ability to lead in the service. Um You've been a tremendous leader uh, for the diaconate. I have always appreciated that. We have a, a really great diaconate, and you've kind of watched that and been a part of that evolution of that. I have, and it was, you know, when I came on to the diaconate, I guess it was 98, uh, we, we, were, we, were pretty, we were pretty thin. Um, you know, Ed had just left, and um, we didn't have a pastor, so we, we worked through that, and then, of course, Darwin came. And there was still some challenges where we were, you know, still trying to 
as a church find our identity. We just built yeah, a new we're just in adolescence yeah, as a yeah, church, exactly, you know, exactly. church plant. And then, you know, and then, you know, of course, uh, Darwin left, and then we didn't have a pastor for a while. And then, of course, you were called here. And, 16 and then, years ago. And now, and now we've got, you know, now I think we've got a really focused very uh you know mature group of men well are, organized that are very well organized and there's there's great structure in place and now you know there's accountability in that structure and we're you know we're we're just kind of getting things done now I love coming to Deacon's yeah. meetings. You know, I'm just kind of sitting there um, and and get to be a part of it. And uh, and Thomas, I've always loved you. You you remain just 16 years ago, sitting right here in my office today. You remain an eager servant of Christ. You love the church. Um, you've got a smile on your face, a bounce in your step, and I really appreciate uh, the way you give. And Christy too. Uh, y'all have given. Uh, there was a report that came out some years ago that we called the Gandhi Report, and it was basically uh, Thomas, our resident engineer, etc. Um, we did some surveys. We put together our statistical analysis over the years, trying to find out where we needed to go. Um, and I was doing the staff equation side of it, um, along with with Bob Brunson at the time. Um, but the Gandhi report was trying to help us figure out facility-wise what we needed. And you were so central and integral to those early days and even on into the construction. I mean, this gorgeous sanctuary. Do we love our sanctuary or what? It is so amazing. It's pretty awesome. Oh, it's so great. And uh, Thomas, thank you. You you and Jim Pettis on the elder side of the equation and, and others, y'all put in a ton of hours. Right. Yeah. But um It was, was a lot of it was a lot of fun. And you know, that whole that whole process kind of came about when we built the U. We put the U out there, yeah, we expanded the, the parking lot. The U is the, the youth building. Yeah, the youth building. We call it a U because it's building that's it's shaped, shaped like, like a, a U. U. <laughs> yeah. But um but anyway, you know, it, it came together with that. That was kinda like the early steps of trying to decide how are we going to you know, when we decide to build a sanctuary, what are the things we need to put in to play. So some of those processes and techniques that we use for the sanctuary we apply or for the youth and for the parking lot we applied to the sanctuary yeah and it worked very very well obviously yeah. we've got a beautiful sanctuary and uh it's it's just it's just a great facility well thomas welcome to um empty nest uh gina and i do enjoy it and uh, i think you and christy are gonna love having this time with y'all uh you still will be parenting by phone uh, as you're probably finding out, it's yes. not as gritty parenting by phone, but right. it is very involved and very meaningful as well. And um, and just thank y'all for just your again your love for for the body of Christ. Last question: um, What is it about Highlands? Highlands is such a genuine church, you know. And and the thing is, is the 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 community, the covenant class, the that we're involved with. We have such a genuine enjoyment. Of one another and of serving and of of just learning about the Lord and learning the gospel, so it's 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 very true when you see that happening around you and and being a part of it. It's really an honor, and you know Highlands has always been that way from the first day that I met Kevin Russell uh, when we were at the Home Builders Association. 
you know, even to now being such a dear friend of mine and has been in a Bible study with me now for you know over 14 years. So it's that's the kind of church Highland is. We build those relationships and we 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 nurture those relationships. Yeah. You know, it sounds kind of cliche to, to say, you know, we just really have a good time. But the kingdom of God, I mean, there's hard things in the kingdom of God, but Thomas, we really do have a good time here. We do. We enjoy one another. Um, I love being able to pastor this group of people. And listen, uh, love being your partner and your friend, and I'm glad people have been able to get to know you a little bit better. If you want to meet Thomas, tell me, and I'll, I'll introduce you to him. But Thomas, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Joseph.